Dave Fanning on 2FM. Okay, uh, how are you doing, Simon? You I'm right? good, I'm good. You? Good. Yeah, very good indeed. We want to talk Bert Bacharach because earlier this week, the legendary pop composer and songwriter, he passed away. And when it came to writing songs, I mean, seriously. I know, I know. No, ridiculous, ridiculous. 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 But uh, he always said that the key to what made him work, well, one was timing, but he said the second thing was is that he wasn't a snob. Huge amount of the guys that ran at the same time as him that were trained classically or composers, really, would never go anywhere near pop music. And he, he went arrived at the Brill building, met Hal David and kind of went, geez, there's something in yeah, this, lads. No, the Brill building, explain that. Phenomenal place in New York City. Where it like, is. You, it, know, it's, you literally clock in at nine and clock out at five and write songs for people who are better looking than you that's are. That's it. You wrote hits. <laughs> that was your gig. And, there's, and do you know it's been continued on because of the hit factor in the UK? There's all of the places that are in Sweden now oh, where, yeah. Yeah, where you do all of this. But the Brill building was probably one of the originals where you went in and you would only get paid if your song was a hit. But you were expected. Yeah. It was like the thousand and monkeys with a thousand typewriters carry on but you had to go and you had to write the hits but you were teamed up with somebody so somebody would you know you might be a great composer or an arranger or whatever it was and then you would have somebody else who's a really really good songwriter Hal David uh, in Hal this David case. in this case and so they were always yeah. trying to put those combinations together and he says that a huge amount of it was just right place right time yeah well here I'll give you a blast of what we're talking about here walk on Just like me, they long to be close to you. Okay, let's see. Um, he like he, seventy-three top forty hits in the US, fifty-two in the UK. Bert Bacharach, who was he, Simon? He was so he as he would have been probably in another life. He would have been a classical composer, but he was always into his jazz. He used to sneak into jazz clubs when he was a kid. He went and he studied. He was in the fortunate position where he was able to go and study music in New York and Montreal. He went off. He did his time in the army, and then he came back and he was touring with Marlene Dietrich. You know, and he was an, a composer for her, and he was do, doing a whole of different arrangements and then it was at that stage he was advised he said you know you should really get into this there's a lot going on he went to the Brill building as you mentioned and that's where it all started for him and he realised then that there really really is something in this but even after I suppose his big big hits of the Brill building he discovered it's almost like a uh, 50 years ago uh, Randy Newman you know because movies you know people started saying Jesus will you write a score from a movie you know will you write a song from a movie and this one had, be, had become then uh, an actual uh, a category the Oscars all of that stuff so everybody wanted the songs for the movies as well so that uh, lengthened his career massively and then he decided at that stage it was really only much later on in his career he said you know I must go and actually tour some of this stuff myself so that I've got this amazing songbook. you mentioned the number of songs the 73 hits all that stuff he said I can easily bash a tour out of this 
and he went and he toured it and even he collaborated with everybody then in the, the next 30 years but he was touring up until up until his death essentially but people were still going to see him played a gig in the Ivy Gardens in 2019 that people were absolutely enamoured with the idea that he was there and he was actually getting to play these songs mm. so the songs lived the guts of a hundred years just like he did yeah right some of those that I didn't play like, like look, look at this look. oh I was only 24 hours from those Jane Pitney, how about this? Another Dusty. That's just so Soho London 60s. <laughs> or how about this one? This was his big breakthrough. This Perry Como. Oh, this, this is the was big it? breakthrough. 57 right. for Magic Moments. Right. Magic Moments. <laughs> 2FM. <laughs> Um, how about this? Look. What's it all about, Alfie? Is it just Still, it was great. I never believed him for a second, but it's great. <laughs> but he was, uh, he says himself that that was one of his favourite tracks that he ever produced yeah he said Alfie was the was the was it and when you listen to I suppose the structure of all of his tunes all of the stuff that he put together it would have been it was always very beautiful always very melodic but it needed something it needed the lyrics and that's where Hal David came in you know he had that thing it was the idea of you're always treading that fine line between total schmaltz which is what a lot of this could get very very close to and something with a little bit more soul in it and that's what him and Hal David were able to because probably one of my favourites is "Make It Easy on Yourself" by the Walkers. Oh, it's brilliant! Scott Walker yes. singing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, this, and, you, and you do and it's probably one of the first times when he actually started to veer into sort of tragedy or things really going wrong because magic moments and all that stuff was all very light and isn't everything brilliant yeah. and let's go to the ice cream shop whereas when you started to get into that sort of territory with the Walker Brothers there was stuff now saying like now things are starting to go wrong and as we well know the devil has all of the best tunes Indeed What about his private life? He's pri- yeah, married a few times as was the style at the time so he was married originally to Paula Stewart and then he was married to uh, Carol Bear Sager then later on and then he got married he got married in I think four wives in total in his uh, in his 94 years but the most recent the most recent Angie wife Dickinson let's well. say, yeah Angie Dickinson yeah mm. but in the most recent wife now 30 40 years nearly that they were married you know so he was, he was one of those he always said that he was never a playboy he was never interested in playing around but he did say that sometimes in his life things petered out and that's probably what happened originally with his collaboration with Hal David yeah what happened and then there they fell out they and fell, fell back in they kind of, yeah they fell out and they fell out for quite a while and they fell out because Dionne Warwick is probably one of his best known yeah. collaborators you know so they, there was a decision made that they weren't really going to work together anymore and Hal David sided with Dionne Warwick at that stage and there was a big big fallout and I don't think anybody thought that they were going to get back together there was that brief period like there always is in the music business where everybody falls out and says I could never work with this person again and then a few years later funnily enough they get back together they meet at an award ceremony or in this case they were doing a charity single I think it was an AIDS charity that they did and uh, that brought them all back together again and they were never 
they never wanted to get back together to work in the formal, formal sense again. But at least they were, everybody was pals again. And himself and Dionne Warwick regularly worked together at that stage. Yeah, I mean, like I was reading the paper this week and it said Grammys and Oscars that he's won. And they're like, all that stuff is irrelevant, really. Like, it's the songs. Oh, it is the songs. Like, it is the songs. Each one is as good as the rest. Yeah, oh no. I'm, I'm, but I do think that there is, there is for some artists, is there is a uh, some sort of validation that they get yeah, yeah, from yeah. that. And he's always said that the validation that he got from doing the soundtrack to uh, Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. So that won two oh, Oscars, right. I think, in 69. And then everybody always says, it's like for any actor, but anybody who ever wins an Oscar, it's always, well, you can never do that again. There can never be a repeat performance. So, and it took him, it took him 12 years to do it when, with Christopher yeah. Cross and Arthur's team. But I think probably from a creative point of view, the Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid and Raindrops Keep Falling oh. on My Head is probably the, the top of it for him. Yeah, I must say, it certainly wouldn't be. Raindrops keep falling on ah, give me a break, lads. <laughs> Compared to his other stuff, it's like ridiculous. Here, I wonder, what did he think of this? The White Stripes. He used to his big thing was that he loved when anybody and he didn't just love it because of the PRS checks, but yeah. apparently he loved it. He loved the idea that somebody else would do an interpretation of something that he had come up with. But I'm sure there was a limit to that. But I don't think the white stripes would be the limit. That isn't that's a very, very fine tune. And yeah. what he did was then late, later on, as I suppose his his brand of music started to become less fashionable. So when he got into the 80s and into the 90s, he went down that collaborative route again. But he collaborated with the likes of uh, uh, Dr. Dre him and Elvis Costello were very very yeah, best of pals I think the, the two of them do a national concert hall thing they did know, oh yeah, yeah they, they did, two, they did yeah. two albums together they played a bunch of live gigs he was touring He was like for a, a man who by that by that stage because he was obviously he was 94 when he died but a man who was well into his 70s he toured and he worked very very hard and he, he would use any opportunity he could to get himself on the telly or into a film he was in Austin Powers so he did uh, was he? A, yeah he did a collaboration he's he plays a romantic piano tune while uh, uh, Austin Powers is schmoozing on the back of a truck. So there's lots of that stuff that he did. So he wanted to still remain working. That was his big thing. He said, I don't need to work, but I work. I live to work. And that's why I think he kept on. He kept on working as he was going along. But he worked with uh, Sheryl Crow as well, uh, Ronnie Isley, loads of people that he kept on working with right the way up to the end. And he was told, apparently he was advised when he turned 80. So that's my maths is terrible. So that's 2008, 2009. He was advised, look, now it's time to stop. You know, I know even what you do, it may not necessarily be, it's not Jerry Lee Lewis jumping on a, on a piano. It's all very gentle. But he was advised to stop. And he said, I can't. I can't ever stop. I never won't want to stop. There's one day when I will stop. And that's the day that I actually stop. And that day happened this week. And he's probably told to never fall in love again at some stage too after his fourth wedding. I'll Here's Deacon Blue. Blue, yeah. Version, yeah. And 
in the falling out with Hal David, who wrote lyrics a lot of the time for a lot of the songs, that came back okay. It did. No, he came back. It, once they had kind of got to back together again, it was really because he always said that it wasn't just Bacharach and David. He said really what was the magic partnership was Bacharach, David and Warwick. You know, so they they needed Dionne Warwick. And it seems to be uh, that that's where the real falling out came. And it was the only place that there could ever really be a redemption would be when the three of those got back together. And I think it was early, early 1980s. Now, it wasn't a huge, it wasn't one of these massive 30 or 40 year long hiatuses, but probably seven or eight years where they didn't work together. They didn't talk to one another again. But Dionne Warwick at that stage herself probably the Dion Warwick style of music was starting to become slightly less fashionable and she apparently came along and asked Bacharach you know said come here can we do something can we work together on this and he said well only if Hal can work on it too so they went and that's when they started working together again and it's one of those things that when when he was being asked he said well who's your favourite collaborations outside of your three you Hal Dave and Dion Warwick what's your favourite favourite collaborations and he says I've done so many and when you imagine the amount I think 500 uh, songs that he has registered uh, at this stage on his repertoire and so many of them have been put into the Great American Songbook and all of that and he says he outside of the three people that he had he said he didn't mind he loved working with everybody and his whole thing was that while he very much rated his own talent what he really really enjoyed was when somebody else took it on board and even when that was Hal David putting lyrics to it or Dionne Warwick when she would sing the songs he was like I, it, my job is easy my yeah. job is he. I I say to you know he said I'd say to Dionne Warwick let's work on the harmonies you know and she was able to do the harmonies so so well with everybody no matter what it was that she put down to work he said as long as somebody can do justice to my work then I love it you know and that was his thing he, he was always the enthusiast for it you as know, much as anything you else you never mentioned three wheels on my wagon that's true <laughs> he wrote that <laughs> <laughs> but he wrote every, and probably one of his most well known things was the the work that he did and speaking of harmonies and the like the work he did with Karen Carpenter you know yeah, so on the, the yeah, the likes stuff, of Close yeah. to You you know and I that, did Wishing and Hoping 24 Hours from Tulsa yeah. Walk on By You'll Never Get to Heaven all those things yeah. but he was as I say he was mad and you'll hear it in his music mad for the harmonies and mad for he used to say I'll write it I'll, but I'll he write he was a devil for the harmonies he was, he was the harmonies. but he said I'll write it down he says it's up to you now to be able to do it you know, he said, that's the thing. He said, that's the challenge that he enjoyed was setting the challenge of I've written it, now you perform it. Fantastic. Brilliant. Do you hear much of this on uh, 8 Radio? <laughs> You'd be surprised about various bits of it that appear, not necessarily Perry Como, but definitely uh, at Dusty Springfield, and rightly so. Yeah, look, Dusty. Ah, yeah. the best. I know the Beatles were happening at this time, but she was the greatest. This, oh, it's amazing. When are they making the biopic? Or the biopic? <laughs> Only a matter of time now. Yes. Dave Fanning on 2FM.